Welcome back, bitches, for another episode of Miners of Mayhem. (laughs) (laughs) High five! It's a good day, man. (laughs) She's all right. You'd be all right. As I was saying, Marie Laveau says she loves you. And Handsome Jack says, you want to come home with me? Come on, darling, I got you. Okay. Welcome back, bitches, for another episode of Miners of Mayhem. I'm your co-host, Brianna, and here with me is my lovely mother, Eden. Hi. I just want to say thank you so much for all the love and support and prayers sent to my littlest to feel better. He ended up having influenza and was out of school for the whole week. He wouldn't eat on his own, so for like five days we had to tube him, and I was getting up in the middle of the night a lot to tube him just so he would stay hydrated. It was a lot, but he is doing better and eating on his own for the most part. Fingers crossed that uh, we're done with the sickness and not down with the sickness. Done with the sickness. (laughs) Definitely done. Over Um, it. Definitely over it. I have very sad true crime news. I don't want to hear it. If it's not waterboarding and being murdered with a bar of soap. I don't want to hear it. Well, that's too damn bad. (laughs) Shit. Okay, what you got? In Orange County, California, a 26-year-old man was sentenced to 40 years to life in prison after fatally shooting a young child in a road rage incident in May 2021. Okay. Apparently, Joanna Clunan, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, was driving her six-year-old son, Aiden Leos, to kindergarten when a vehicle cut her off. She testified that she flipped the vehicle off. Marcus Eriz, I don't know if that's how you say it, and I don't give a shit, don't give a shit, um, became upset at the gesture and began shooting at the back of Joanna's vehicle, hitting the boy. Oh, Jesus. The bullet went through the boy's liver, lungs, heart, and abdomen. Joanna reportedly said she, quote, heard a large noise and heard her son say, ow, unquote. She pulled over on the freeway, got her son out of the back, and called 911. The boy was transferred to Children's Hospital of Orange County, where he was later pronounced dead. You can find the whole story at truecrimedaily.com. How sickening. A little boy lost his life because of road rage. That, uh, yeah, I've I've got nothing. Yeah. Anger. Yeah. Pathetic. Yeah. So as we know, January is Mental Health Awareness Month, and the case I'm covering today has a lot of mental health issues. It's... It's quite sad, to be honest. Okay. Um, He asked for help numerous times, but was ultimately failed. This case is also a little different from our other ones. And I I talked to you about it a little bit just to make sure it was okay to do. um, Because he starts killing at eight years old, but continues into his adult life. Mm -hmm. So I'm covering a serial killer case. All right. I hope I do do it justice because... I didn't get to deep dive as much as I would have liked to because that whole week uh, Leland was sick. Um, All he wanted to do was snuggle. And if you know, 
you know that he doesn't snuggle mom. He's not a snuggler, no. He'll, he, but he'll snuggle Ezra and he'll snuggle his teachers. He doesn't snuggle grandma. He's a little turd. <laughs> and so I could. So you took it. Uh, yeah. I, I took, I definitely took it in. My house is a disaster. I haven't been, I haven't caught up yet. It's oh. whatever. I don't care. Who cares? I give up on that. There's no catching up for me. I tried on Saturday. That was my only day off. I tried Saturday. I just, but I can't do a deep clean because one day is not enough. Mm -hmm. So I did a surface clean, mm -hmm. you know, dishes in the dishwasher, a couple loads of laundry. And then my daughter wanted her nails done. So we had to do that. Yeah. Because you don't say no to that either. No. I mean, we live in the house. It's not supposed to be It's lived spotless. in. Lived in. So. so, what are we doing today? Carol Edward Cole was hmm. born on May 9th, 1938, to Laverne Cole and Bista Cole in Sioux City, Iowa. He was the second son, and when his younger sister was born in 1939, Carol and his family packed up and moved to California. Laverne had found a job working in a shipyard until he went to fight in World War II. Okay. Carol's mother, on the other hand, was the biggest piece of shit. Oh, not, boy. Not only did she have several affairs while Laverne was fighting for our country, but she would literally bring Carol along with her to those affairs. What? She would bring him with to those affairs. Okay. She would threaten to beat Carol if he ever told his dad. Vista was such a piece of shit that she was emotionally abusive to Carol and would go to the extent of dressing him up as a girl. Oh, okay. On top of all of the emotional abuse and witnessing affairs, he was bullied in school by his classmates for having a girly name. So he decided to go by his middle name, Eddie, which is short for Edward. Okay. When Laverne returned home, Vista would still beat and whip Eddie for the smallest and pettiest things. So are we going to go by Eddie for the rest of the... Yes. Okay. Vista was, even though I shouldn't, but I'm going to. Okay. Vista was the major reason Eddie despised women. Allegedly, at the age of seven or eight... I read both ages in a couple different um, resources, so I just said seven or eight. Okay. Eddie had been teased to the point of blacking out. Now, this is a trigger warning, warning for animal abuse. When he had awoke, he learned that he had strangled the family puppy. Okay, so he had blackout anger. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. This would increase his fantasies of killing his mother and father. In 1946, Eddie was swimming at a harbor in Richmond, California with a group of boys. One of those boys named Dwayne had teased Eddie for his girly name, and when they were left alone, Eddie retaliated by drowning him. Uh, okay. Authorities had actually ruled it as an accidental drowning. Hmm. Okay, so did they ever, obviously they must have found, how did they find out that it was Eddie? It wasn't until Eddie was in jail writing his autobiography that he confessed to drowning doing. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So he got away with that one. Yep. Okay. Later during an interview about this murder, he said, quote, I was primed. I had made the mental commitment. I was going to get even with my mother and things just built up and built up and became an obsession. Now, the more like now that I read that, I wonder if that quote wasn't supposed to be somewhere else because it doesn't seem like killing Dwayne would be getting even with his mother. So I will have that update next episode. <laughs> but it, it, Oops. It, was a, it was a quote that he did say, but I don't know if it was for that specific murder. Okay. When Eddie was a teenager, he did several petty crimes and did time for burglary, arson, and car theft. After barely getting through school, barely getting through school, you want to know what his IQ was? What? It was 152. Holy shit. But he averaged a D plus. What a waste of a brilliant mind. Oh my God, he's genius level. That's really smart. Yeah. So wow. after okay. barely getting through school, he decided to join the U.S. Army, but was discharged for bad, bad conduct for stealing pistols. In 1960, Eddie had attacked two couples parked in cars on Lover's Lane. It was soon after that he had like an aha moment and called the Richmond police and stated that, quote, he was plagued by violent fantasies involving strangling women, unquote. He called the police? Yep. Did they do anything? Mm, I'll, I'll get into okay, that. Okay, sorry. So like my besties over at Morbid say, feel bad for the child, not the adult. Okay. Eddie attempted, oh yes, Eddie attempted suicide on one occasion and failed. However, he did commit himself into mental hospitals over the course of the next three years. Hmm. It was in these mental hospitals that Eddie again confessed to having fantasies about killing women. He was diagnosed as a psychopath, yet they kept discharging him because he had a personality disorder disorder rather than a mental illness. Being a psychopath isn't a mental illness? That's what I would... Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a big old uh, jumble of mess. So it kind of sounds like a shit show. Yep. Yeah, okay. One of the last times at Stockton State Hospital, Dr. Weiss wrote, quote, he seems to be afraid of the female figure and cannot have sexual intercourse with her first, but must kill her before he can do it, unquote. So he performs necrophilia? We'll get there. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Again, despite all of the red flags here, he was yet again released in April 1963. Damn it. Christmas. All right. After he was released, he moved to Dallas, Texas. Eddie ended up meeting and marrying a woman named Billy Whitworth, who was a stripper and also an alcoholic. Question. If he couldn't have sex when he was alive, when his women were alive, how did he consummate his marriage? Um, it was only... I'll, okay. I'll get there. It was a I'll legit question. Yeah. I'll get there. Okay. Um, and once you hear it, you'll be like, oh, okay. Okay. Um, now, this marriage didn't last very long, and it didn't w end well either. They would fight and argue a lot, which alcoholic and alcoholic. Yeah, not a good combination. Okay. 
Just after two years, Eddie actually set a hotel on fire because he believed his wife, Billy, was having sex with men at that hotel. Hmm. It's not funny. It's not funny. I mean, what a way to flush her out, but not funny. Eddie ended up getting arrested and charged with arson and served time. When Eddie was released from prison, he was traveling and attempted to strangle an 11-year-old girl in Missouri. Attempted? Attempted. In an interview that I watched on YouTube, Eddie was asked if he had any remorse and he mentioned the 11-year-old girl. But if you watch that video, there is just something so cold in his eyes. It's eerie. He didn't kill her, though. So his regret was just she was so young and he tried yeah. to kill her? Okay. So anyways, he was arrested but was only sentenced for five years. Okay. This man was failed miserably. By everybody, it seems. Yep. Let me continue to tell you why. So okay. when he was released from prison, he ended up in Nevada where he tried strangling two more women. Eddie checked himself into another mental health mental hospital where he again confessed to his fantasies about murdering women. Don't tell me they let him out. They released him and sent him back to San Diego. This is really when he decided to act on his murder fantasies. Well, how many times can you ask for freaking help and people don't help you? What the hell is he supposed to do? He well, laid it right out there. I want to kill people. I want to kill women. And, and these people are and just not fucking listening. And attempting to strangle... Sorry, Brad. <laughs> attempting to strangle an 11-year-old and was only sentenced for five years? You should have got life right there. Now, who am I? <laughs> what? This was in the 60s? Mm -hmm. Um... This is really when he decided to act on his murder fantasies. He would usually pick up, pick women up from bars to have sex. A lot of them would be left unharmed, but the ones he would decide to kill would be based off if he thought they were loose or not, or if they were married. Because remember, he despised it's women who reminded him of his, of his mother. Mom. Okay, yep. So if they were married, they probably signed their death certificate right there. Yep. Okay. He even said that he felt he, quote, killed her through them, unquote. So he was imagining his mom every time he mm -hmm. killed a woman. In a San Diego tavern on May 7, 1971, Eddie picked up this woman named Essie Buck. He ended up strangling her in his car and just drove around with her body in the trunk of his car. Eventually, he just dumped her body and went on. Two weeks later, Eddie killed another woman and buried her in the woods. She was never identified. To which, this day? Which has to be the saddest thing to think about. That's somebody's daughter, somebody's granddaughter, yes. niece. To this day, friend. she's not identified? Not that I read. Because we have so many. Well, there's probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's bad. We have a lot of ways to identify people nowadays. Maybe mm -hmm. they'll get to it. Yeah. It just breaks my heart to think about. Two years later, in July 1973, Eddie remarried to Diana Paschall. Paschall? 
another alcoholic who worked as a barmaid. So, yeah. Yeah, good. just like his first marriage, they argued and fought a lot to the point that Eddie would leave for days at a time. Any guesses as to what he was doing when he was away? I think so. I, I'm assuming he was killing people. He was out murdering more women. Allegedly, he killed a woman and to some extent cannibalized her. Oh god, what? What? Explain some extent, please. Uh, I mean, I, it, I he will, either did or he didn't. I will later. Oh god, okay. <laughs> so I've got so many things waiting on the later. Okay, <laughs> We'll get into that a little later. You're killing me, Styles. Well, it's, it's, it's this case where, like... I follow the timeline, and then at the it all, the trial, it like all comes together. So it's all a right, little, all it's right. A I have so many questions. I know. Okay. One month later, though, oh, shit. in September 1979, Eddie killed Diana by strangulation. His wife? Yeah. Eight days later, a neighbor who was suspicious called the police, and they found Diana in a closet, wrapped up in a blanket. The police determined that she had died from her heavy drinking, though. What? Eddie was brought in for questioning about his wife's death, but was released without charge because they ruled it to be alcohol-related. Wasn't his mode of killing strangulation? Mm-hmm. Okay. There is no denying when somebody has been strangled because there is freaking marks and the high... We, I, we will, I, I will say a quote later, and it'll be, it'll all come together. It'll all come down to the hyoid bone. Yeah. Um, <sighs> for God's sake, you're killing me. Okay. That same year, Eddie decided to leave San Diego and started moving around again. Hmm. Eddie didn't make it far from San Diego before ending up in Las Vegas and going again. Oh, prime pickings there. In a Las Vegas bar. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. <laughs> Eddie met a woman named Marie Cushman. Marie Laveau. Marie. I honestly don't know how Eddie is able to pick up women. Like, if you look at... He has an ugly mug. <laughs> Dude looks... I, if anybody ever plays him in a movie, it's got to be that William H. Macy or whatever his name is. Because he must have been very, like, charismatic or something. To be able to pick up these women. Because maybe they I were ugly. guarantee. Maybe they were ugly. Maybe they felt lucky to be being hit on by anybody? Well, they were probably drunk. They probably had beer goggles on. I mean, to each their own. <clears throat> Later that evening, Eddie and Marie went to a hotel and had sex. But then he strangled her to death. After this, Eddie moved back to Dallas, Texas. What? Is that his M.O.? Is that how he kills everybody is by strangulation other than that one drowning? Yes. I'm still stuck on the fact that that woman, his wife, died of alcoholism. That, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Keep going. Did they even do an autopsy? Mm-hmm. Oh, for fuck's sake. Fudge sakes. Okay. <sighs> Um, on November 11th, 1980, Eddie killed a woman named Dorothy King. The next night, he murdered Wanda Faye Roberts. 
But after killing Wanda, Eddie actually returned to Dorothy's house to have sex with her deceased body. Oh, necrophilia in action. Look. The night of November 12th, Wanda was found nude from the waist down, her shirt was ripped open, and she had bruises on her neck from strangulation, which was the cause of death. She had drag marks and abrasions from being dragged across gravel and rocks after she was dead and stripped. Okay. She was not, however, sexually assaulted, but showed she had been drinking heavily the night she died. Wanda had left a nearby bar around 2 a.m. with a regular named Eddie. We'll come back to that later as well. <laughs> it's such it's such You're a driving weird... me nuts. But once I read the whole ending, you're going to be like, oh, oh, oh. Just you wait. I, I, I'm waiting. Oh, this one's sad. Oh, shit. But he gets away with it. He, what? He gets away with this one. Again. Okay. On November 30th, this is, I believe this is 1980 still. Oh, what did I, what happened? Oh, there we go. Sorry. Yeah, this is still 1980. 43-year-old Sally Thompson was attacked in her apartment by Eddie. Sally's two sons had brought a girlfriend home to visit. Upon arrival, the door was locked. The lights and television were on. After knocking on the door for several minutes, a man who reeked like whiskey opened the door. Mm. The sons pushed past him, and what they seen, saw, seen, saw, seen, and I never know which one to use. What they seen was a nightmare. What they saw was a nightmare. I don't know. <laughs> they found their mother face down by the couch with her <coughs> pants and panties down at her ankles. The boys ran to the neighbors to call the police. When police showed up, Eddie was just standing next to Sally's lifeless body. Okay, I'm confused. Okay, keep going. When he was taken in and questioned... Eddie remembered meeting Sally at a nearby bar and went to Sally's apartment for sex. Eddie said while he was undressing her, she just collapsed. The paramedics found no violence on her body and thought maybe it was an overdose of alcohol or drugs. Eddie was held in custody until the autopsy was completed and listed her cause of death as indeterminate. And Eddie was released. Are they not dissecting the neck? We'll get there. The next morning, when Detective Robinson was looking over the file, he noticed that Carol's middle name was Edward and could be going by Eddie. He also realized that Eddie's address was a halfway house for felons on parole. Nope. Okay. He had been caught stealing mail and was... But, okay. but I didn't. <clears throat> when Detective Robinson called the halfway house, he learned that Eddie had missed several curfews, including the night Wanda was murdered. This obviously sparked Doc Detective Robinson's red flag meter and did a further background check on him. So just a quick palate, palate cleanser. Oh, boy. <laughs> I always thought it was back round, not back ground. With a G. You what? You what? I didn't know it was back ground. I thought it was back round. 
No G. Why? Background. There's no G. Oh my God! I you're so pretty. You're so pretty. Oh, so, mistletoe! I swear I'm having Mayo Clinic in South Dakota. Background. 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 Well, now I know, but I swear I've been having these moments every episode. It's so bad. Your roots are starting to show. Should I know? <laughs> okay. Anyways, back to the case. Um, that was funny. He found that Eddie had quite the criminal record, including the 1967 felony assault on a Missouri minor. That 11-year-old. Later that afternoon, Detective Robinson and some other undercover cops went to pick Eddie up at his Toys R Us warehouse drop. How creepy. That's that? really freaking creepy. At first, Eddie stuck with the original stories about Sally and Wanda and that he had no idea who killed them. Who's close to this? Those are kids and some of those are mine. Okay. Um, God damn it. Damn God, uh, Detective Robinson had to leave during the interview for another police call. And it seemed like Eddie was disappointed by the interruption and began confessing. When Detective Robinson returned, he asked Eddie, quote, Now, about that girl in the bar, tell me about her, unquote. Eddie replied, oh. Eddie yep. replied, which one? Oh, snap. He went on to admit the murders of Dorothy, Wanda, and Sally, plus the six before them over the past nine years. They were all drunken sluts, according to Eddie. All of them strangled and some sexually assaulted after death. He admitted to three victims in San Diego, S.E. Buck, Bonnie Sue O'Neill, who was a prostitute who he strangled and dumped in an alley behind an appliance shop that Eddie used to work at. Then, of course, his wife, Diana, who, remembered, died of alcohol overdose. Mm-hmm. Eddie admitted to two victims in Las Vegas, a prostitute by the name Kathleen, Kathleen Blum, who he strangled and dumped in a residential area in 1977. Then two years later, Eddie strangled Marie Cushman. One of his last victims he admitted to was found in 1975 in a field outside of Casper, Wyoming. Her name was Marlene Hammer, who Nick, whose nickname was because of her Native American roots. Eddie admitted that there could have been more, but he couldn't be for sure because he was usually extremely drunk when he committed these crimes. Eddie was put in the Dallas City Jail on three counts of first-degree murder. The prosecutors, however, were in trouble because, remember, two of his three victims couldn't determine the cause of death despite his confessions. Lieutenant John Gregory, chief of the San Diego's homicide squad, told reporters, quote, the coroner conducted thorough autopsies, and the man would have had to have been some sort of expert to have strangled these women without leaving any bruise marks, unquote. What about the hyoid bone? 
What about the hyoid bone? He didn't break that either? I don't know. I must not have. Okay. Eddie's trial began on April 6, 1981. On the stand, Eddie told his story of his childhood abuse from his sadistic, adulterous mother. (laughs) Wow. Adulterous mother giving rise to a morbid obsession with women who betrayed their husbands or lovers. He told them that the killings had been, quote-unquote, pretty fuzzy. He went on to admit to a victim he killed in Oklahoma City on Thanksgiving in 1977 in his apartment. Quote, this one is almost a complete blank. I didn't know the woman's name, but I remember finding pieces of her body scattered from the bathroom to the kitchen. Evidently, I had done some cooking the night before. There was some meat on the stove in a frying pan and part that I hadn't eat, eaten on a plate on the table, unquote. Oh, God, was, was it determined to be human? <clears throat> that was her, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Prosecutors thought Eddie's confession was a, quote, tendency to grossly exaggerate, unquote, to try for an insanity plea. Jurors deliberated for 25 minutes and found him guilty on all three murder charges. Judge Mead sentenced him to life on April 9, 1981. In 1984, Eddie's mother, Vista, had died. According to reports, Eddie's behavior completely changed. He even agreed to face murder charges in Nevada, knowing it could mean facing the death penalty. What? Okay. Mm -hmm. In February 1984, Eddie was sent to Nevada and was found guilty of two murders and was sentenced to die. When the judge gave Eddie his sentence, Eddie said, quote, thanks, judge, unquote. So it must have been like some sort of relief. It was reported that before his execution, Eddie turned to Catholicism. For Eddie's last meal, he requested jumbo fried shrimp, french fries, salad with French dressing, French dressing, and Boston clam chowder. He even requested Kentucky fried chicken, but since he was not allowed to have food that had bones in it, they gave him chicken nuggets. On December 6th, 1985, at 2.10 a.m., Eddie was executed by lethal injection at Nevada State Prison. Wasp. Lovely. (laughs) Um, Was executed by lethal injection at Nevada State Prison. After he was dead, his brain was extracted and was sent to the University of Nevada, Reno Medical School to be studied for abnormalities. Any news on that study? Because that would intrigue me. Yeah. And that's the case of Carol Edward Cole. That's... This I hope all... I did it justice. You know like what? It made the... sense. This all could have been prevented if they would have listened to him in the first place. Yeah. I need help. I want to kill people. I mean, how many times did he go to a mental health He hospital? went to police. He went to mental health. Over the course of three years. Asking then, somebody, basically, stop me, mm-hmm. and nobody freaking listened. Nope. That is complete failure right there. Yeah. And then to keep letting him out. 
these women could have been, yeah. Yeah. They could have been saved. Definitely. That was, uh, oofta. Yeah. <clears throat> so we can't wait to see you next week with another episode. Um, you, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, case recommendations, if you just need somebody to talk to or anything at all, you can always shoot us an email at minersofmayhem at gmail.com. I got Shoot it. us a Facebook message. Why do you keep trying to interrupt me? Because it's what I do best. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, I, one of our listeners told me about a babysitter that killed twins, and this was in North Dakota. What? So I am going to deep dive on that sucker. I've got to find it. I've got to figure it out. I haven't yet because I am head deep in the one that I'm doing for next week. Yeah. Dang. Stay out of it. I'm not going to tell you the time. No, I'm not going to. But yeah. So I've got wow. a good lead on another local case. Yeah. I, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go on. Until then, stay safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Take care of yourself and your family. And don't be pawns come, please. Love Bye. you. Bye.